Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Now today's message will be one that will cause uh, unrest to some, maybe anger to some, uh, because I'm going to speak on one of the most controversial uh, things taught in the scripture, but one of the most beautiful things taught in the scripture, and when a person understands what the Bible teaches, it ought to be the most beautiful thought that was ever presented to you. When I talk to you about God's exclusive gift to the world, his exclusive gift, I want to talk to you this morning how the Bible is very, very clear in this world that's filled with religions, that God loves every person on this planet and has made a way for every person on the planet to come to be with the Father who created the heavens and the earth for all of eternity. He provided a way where regardless of your uh, background, regardless of your finances, regardless of your age, regardless of your IQ, regardless of, of where you come from, that God has come up with a way whereby whosoever will can have eternal, everlasting, spirit-filled life, both here and in the world to come. But he made it very clear how that must be done. And that's where the rub comes in. Because we live in a civilization uh, where people believe that there are many ways to get to God. Where God himself said, you're wrong. There is one way and only one way. And for the world not to know that way is our fault. We are to go and tell them there is one way. And for you to believe that because it is accepted by the general counsel of those that you run with that there's many paths going to heaven and everybody's on a different path and they're all the same would be a catastrophic blunder on your part when truth is available to us if we'll just be still and know that the Lord, he is God. So I want you to pray for me as I try to clearly show you from the scripture, not what I think. What I think means nothing, nor what, does you, what you think mean anything. But what God says is truth. And so let's listen to it and keep your heart open the Holy Spirit has changed many hard hearts, many that have walked in darkness and were content to live in darkness, not only now, but for all eternity, have had their eyes open when finally they heard the truth, and the truth is what set them free. So listen carefully, and we're going today read the scripture out loud, and if you don't have a Bible or a phone or something to look at, we're going to put it on the screen. I'm going to let you remain seated so nobody stands in the way of somebody not being able to see. And I want you to read with me the scripture. Now, if you're a guest, I want to say to you up front, Sagemont, myself, every preacher stands in this platform, in this pulpit, behind this pulpit, believes the Bible is inspired in errant and infallible word of God. If God has said it to the church 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, if he spoke it to the prophets, it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, that's what we believe. You say, I don't believe that. That's all, that's fine. That's all right. Let's don't get mad at each other. But let's just be open 
to see, well, what is it that you don't believe? So I'm going to teach you what the Bible says, and then you can go away and believe it or not believe it, but at least you know. You don't say, well, nobody ever told me, okay? So in love, let's read the scripture together, all right? We're going to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to read the ninth verse, the 10th verse, and then we're going to read the 14th verse. So would you look at the screen, and would you read with me from verse 9. Are you ready? In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And look at the 14th verse. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now, I want to read those last few words with you again in the 14th verse where it starts with the Father sent the Son. Read it with me. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now, God said it. That settles it. But listen to the gospel according to John chapter 14 and verse 6. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. And nobody, no man comes unto the Father except or but by me. You got that? Jesus said unto him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. That's what Jesus said, all right? You say, but I know somebody says there. I understand that, and they have a right to say it. But Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. The Old Testament says that God sent a way into the world for the entire world to be saved regardless of their situation. That way was that Jesus would come and die on a cross because all sin had to be paid for. So Jesus came, gave his life. He could have called 10,000 angels. He gave his life on a Roman cross, executed, in order that a person, regardless of their background, would have an opportunity to receive the exclusive Christmas gift, and that is everlasting life. Years ago, I don't know if they still do it, the Neiman Marcus people put out a catalog, and they always had one particular gift. That was the ultimate exclusive gift. It would cost usually millions of dollars, you know, and you just read it, just kind of giggle at it and say, who in the world could afford all that? Well, I want you to know that there is a gift more exclusive than in the Neiman Marcus catalog. That gift was the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. That gift was a gift that was the most innocent, beautiful, prettiest thing that he could create and give in order that through that gift, the world could be adopted into the family of God and not only be blessed by God in this life, but could have eternity with God the Father God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit forever and forever. 
So let me try to set the stage by asking you a very simple question. I ask it with all the honesty in my heart. It is not a trite question. It's not an irrelevant question. My question is this, how important is truth to you? On any subject, how important is it for truth to be known by you? Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has preconditioned ways of responding to certain situations. We see that every day. My question is, for you, not for the person sitting beside you, not for mom and dad, for you, how important is it that you know the truth? Now, the Bible says the truth will set you free. It says you can know the truth and the truth will set you free. But how important is that to you? Had you rather know the truth and be set free or live in bondage all your life and wonder? That's the question. Question number two is, in your opinion, what is the major responsibility of the church? The church. The New Testament church. What is our major responsibility? Is it to feed the, the, the hungry? Is it to clothe the naked? Is it to take care of the sick? Well, that's certainly a purpose. Is that the major purpose of the church, though? Well, it's to influence government. It's to help people with their marriages. It is to help them with their relational problems. Yes. The question is, what is the major purpose of the church? Now, you can think and come to a conclusion, and I want you to do that. But I want to suggest to you an answer. My answer is that making sure, here's the purpose of the church, is to do everything we can to make sure that every person on the planet hears the gospel of Jesus Christ and knows that according to the scriptures, they can, at the moment they hear it, receive the gift of eternal life by confessing their sin, turning from it, and receiving Jesus into their life. I will submit to you, that's the purpose of the church. And if we excel at everything else and miss that, we have missed the purpose of why the Lord established a church. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Well, the church as you know it today, how powerful is it in the world and worldly things? What kind of impact does it have on politics today? What, is that? what kind of impact does it have on the financial world? What, is it, what kind of impact is it having today on families? I would submit to you that the church today is pretty much ignored in most circles. But there's one thing they can't figure out. That's people are getting saved in some churches. They are, their old things are becoming new. Old things are passing away. All things are becoming new. And they're turning around. And daddy goes to church. And he's one kind of guy. And he comes home. And he's a different person. And you think, that's not my daddy. And the truth is, it is your daddy. But your daddy's been born again. Your daddy has just met Jesus Christ. Your daddy understands why he got you for a child. Why he's here what is going to happen in the future. That's what makes the difference. I would submit to you, that's the major thing. Now, that is not the major thing in most churches today. 
We have all kinds of, of scenarios. Somehow we believe our relationship with each other is more important than our relationship to him. So find the church where everybody agrees on certain things and join up with them. It just makes you feel good. You get that woozy feeling. You know, everybody in that church is so smart because they think just like I do. And it must be, you know, that they're smart because they wouldn't be thinking like me if they weren't smart. So I know it's got to be good. But the thing that I want to get over to you is that, in my opinion, and from the Bible standpoint, the church remaining silent today to tell the world what Jesus said in scriptures is like a hospital that has a cure for a disease and won't tell the patients that they've got the disease. The church is not to beat on people's heads. It's just to get people, you stop and think for a minute, are you a sinner? Yes, I am. Then you need a savior. And listen, you don't have to go looking for one. That savior died on the cross 2,000 years ago and he's ready right now for you to come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. That's what he said. But in order that we not offend each other, we offend the father who sent his only begotten son to die on a cross and many Christ Christians at Christmas just cast him aside. Throw him out the window. Would not any way consider bringing their neighbor to a Christmas service that's lost according to the scripture, not according to the preacher, not according to the neighbor yourself, but according to the scripture. And takes great comfort in saying, not only will I not do it at Christmas, I will never do it. I will not talk to people about sin, even though I know there's a Savior. I just won't do it because I might offend them. That is a horrible situation. Jesus said, I'm the way. The Scripture says there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. But I want to say it one more time. There's nothing, absolutely nothing that angers an uninformed world more than hearing that there's only one way to heaven. That infuriates people. It shouldn't because they still don't understand what the way to heaven is. The Bible says God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And how are they to do that? Here come the church. You know, here comes Jesus. He leaves and he says, now here comes the Holy Spirit. But before I leave, I'm going to establish my church. And my church is going to be faithful to quit playing games, religious games, and take the gospel to the uttermost part of the earth, beginning with the person that lives in their own family and in their own household. And do it with the love of God rather than selfish, righteous indignation. God made the decision. Listen to me. God made the decision that there'd be only one way to heaven. For God so loved the world, he gave his. What's that word? For God so loved the world, he gave his only. Why didn't he give about 50 of them? Why don't we just count the nations of the world and just give them all one? One. His name will be called Jesus, and he will save the people from their sins. That's the gospel. And with it goes an invitation, whosoever will may come. You may not get a Christmas card from somebody you were expecting a Christmas card from, 
And they might not invite you to their Christmas party, but there's a God in heaven that's invited you to come and join him in heaven for eternity. And when you get that invitation and you accept it, there's no better thing that will ever happen in your life. And by the way, there's a whole lot of heaven on the way to heaven. It's really fun when something good happens to you and you can go tell everybody. And you know what happens when you tell everybody? Some of them get saved. And then they start telling everybody and some of them get saved. And the first thing you know, you see things happening that are unbelievable. And while we sit in a world where many churches don't even have a baptistry, don't even have one. I mean, Bible-believing, Bible-teaching churches don't even have a baptistry. They throw it in every so often. We'll have one of those just in case anybody wants to. Baptism is not an option. The Bible says repent and be baptized, every one of you, because you're my child, and I want you to have my birth certificate wrapped around your neck. You're mine. Devil, leave them alone, because they're going to come running to me. They're not going to go to their gang friends. They're going to come to me. Medical news tells us that every year 50,000 Americans die with colon cancer simply because they won't take the test, because it's inconvenience to take the test. The gospel's about new life. The Great Commission's about new life. You know what the the Lord would say to the church if he were to have about one minute here and say, what do you want to say to Sagemont? You know what I think he'd say? Stay focused. Stay focused. Stay focused. You cannot believe the opportunity this church has to get involved in every kind of thing in the world. I mean, they come in daily, folks, daily. Good stuff, good stuff. But it's not the main stuff. And what we've got to do is stay focused on the main stuff. And the main stuff is get people to Jesus and let them know what it means to be not only a sinner saved by grace, but an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And the greatest Christmas gift is to receive a new life that will bring joy and peace and security here and a life in heaven for all of eternity. In Matthew 28, 19, and 20, it's what's called the Great Commission. This was given to the disciples of Jesus. And if you're a believer, that's what we are. We're his followers. Here's our marching orders. Go you, therefore, and teach all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all things Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, that's what God's word tells us. But the numbers speak for themselves as to what people still believe. With all the Bible says, when you get organized believers together, here's what they say according to Lifeway Research and the uh, Legonier Ministries. They teamed together and they did a survey and here's what they came up with. You ready for this? Now, this is not a survey to the man on the street as as much as it is to selected groups in churches and people that have some kind of idea of, of what the question was all about. And the question was, how many ways do you think there is is to heaven? 45% of Americans think that there are many ways to heaven. And 71% of Americans agree that an individual must contribute his or her own effort to receive personal salvation. In other words, 71% says it's not by grace through faith. It's grace, faith, and my church helping me. 
my church standing in place for me, my, my good works, my financial gifts, my serving of time. 71%, folks, of church people, they just don't get it. They still feel like it's my works that saves me. It's not works. It's by grace through faith alone. And the Bible is so clear on that. That's the truth, folks. And the truth will set you free. God loves you and you can't do anything about it. He loves you unconditionally. Yes, he knows what you did Friday night and Saturday. But he loves you anyway. He hates the devil. And when you get to heaven and see what you could have been doing and where you could have been and who you could have been with, you're going to say, oh, my goodness, how could have I been so stupid? And the Lord said, you want me to tell you? No, I don't want you to tell me. I just wanted to make my point. I was a little emotional about it, you know. The word exclusivity is a new word for some of us. But you know what? The church, the church, the old church, the creeds of all the churches for the last hundreds of years, every one of them believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. But 71% of the people don't believe it. They're members of those churches. How did that all happen? It seemed like that's an impossibility. But it's always stated that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so what do we mean by this exclusiveness? What we mean is that salvation comes to those who are born, know that they're sinners, that nobody has to teach them to do bad. They come to an age, they realize there's a God. They've sinned against that God. Nobody has had to teach them the bad, but it's so tough to do right, tell the truth, not get angry, all this kind of thing, not beat on your brother or sister. They believe there's a God and they've sinned against that God. They confess it. And they personally, consciously, explicitly, and singularly accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They invite him to come into their heart and they are born again. And being born again, they not only become a sinner saved by grace, but they become an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Now, that's what it means for it to be exclusive. Anyone can come, but the exclusiveness is Jesus alone. The way, the truth, and the life. No variables. None whatsoever. So if we examine God's gift to us, Jesus, closely, first of all, we find out it's a personal gift to whoever will accept it. Romans 10, 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible fact is this. No one gains a new and eternal life because of somebody else's faith. Just because you have somebody you know that has a faith and loves you, maybe a parent, maybe a brother, sister, or a good friend, there's no other name given but the name of Jesus that will be accepted by the Father. See, a lot of people think if they just join a good church and get around some good people, that just by osmosis they're going to become believers. That's not the way it works. In fact, those people that you think are good are fooling you because there's none righteous, none of us. But when you come to that point, when you say, well, how does salvation come? Well, not because you were born to a particular parent, not because you're an American, not because of anything else, because everybody's going to give an account 
to God according to Romans 14, 12. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Now put all of that together. It is a personal decision every one of us must make, but it's open for us to make it. The invitation is to ours to accept an RSVP. I will come to you, Jesus. You invited me and I am coming to you. And I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. But let me tell you, we've got to do more than just talk the talk. We've, we've got to do more than just doing what he says. We've got to have a personal relationship with him to where we understand that my sin nailed Jesus to the cross. When I sin, it, it, it messes up my fellowship with God. It messes up God's plan and purpose for my life, and that's what it does for you. The Bible says we're to take up our cross and follow him. And authentic, genuine believers know who they follow. Those that are not follow after every wind of doctrine. They are so easily, so easily confused and deceived by all that's out there now on the, in the medias, the books, the phones, the television, the TV, whatever it might be. But a believer knows in whom they have believed. And, they, and that he's able to keep that which they've committed unto him against that day. They know they're lost because they sinned. They know that they were traveling down the wrong road. They confessed it. They repented. And let me tell you something when you get saved. You're not sin resistant. You're sin proof. You know what the difference is? You have, if you have a, a, a watch and it's water resistant, you know what that means? It means it will get wet, but it doesn't want to. That's what that means, all right? But if you've got a watch that's waterproof, it means water can't get in it, period. Whenever you get saved, you're saved. You're in here. Here's the Holy Spirit. Here's the Son, and here's the Father. And the devil can't get to you without going through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and he can't go through any one of them, much less all three. You're not your own. You're bought with a price, and you're safe. Safe. You're in the safe, in the spiritual safe. The B&L lock can't open, but the cross can open it. And you can enter therein and be saved for all of eternity. Another thing it means that we're a recipient of the gift of that exclusive gift of God's Son. He walks with me. He talks with me. You ask me how I know he lives? What is it? He lives within my heart. That's the way I know. Let me tell you something, folks. I don't care how smart you are. If you're born again and Jesus lives in your heart, you don't have to have any professor or anybody's new book to read to find out who Jesus is. You don't have to. You know because you know him. God is dead. Well, funny, I talked to him this morning. When he died, well, years ago, the church started changing years ago. No, no, no. No, he's alive. He's alive. But we're the recipient of that wonderful, wonderful, explicit gift. In Acts 4, 12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men, Peter said, the book of Acts, whereby we must be saved. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. 
Then Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Well, we got to take Christ out of Christmas. Not me. Not me. Not you either. I'm loving it. The signs are getting bigger and bigger. People can't even see, see, out, see out of the back of their pickup truck windows anymore for Merry Christmas, y'all. <laughs> Faith is not in the Father. You know this? Watch this now. You're going to say, oh, I, don't, I disagree. Now, hold on a minute. Salvation's faith is not in the Father. I believe in God. It's not where salvation is. God said, I made myself so evident in creation that man's without an excuse, but he still needed a Savior. The faith is in Jesus, not in the Father. You don't get to the Father. You get to Jesus. And then Jesus takes you to the Father. And you don't get to Jesus until the Holy Spirit starts dealing with you. You can't get saved anytime you want to. If you're still arrogant in your sin and cocky in your sin and I'm just going to do what I want to do and nobody's going to tell me what to do. I've seen so many of these things in, the, in these stores during the Christmas time. If it makes you happy, do it. I mean, they've worded that every way there is. Just if it's going to make you happy, get on. Don't matter what people say, just get happy, get happy, get happy. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, follow Jesus and I'll give you life and give it to you more abundantly. That makes me happy. But Jesus is not one of God's gifts of salvation. He's the only gift. He didn't give the world a bunch of gods. One God. His name is Jesus. The only begotten son. Your church can't get you to heaven. Your pastor can't get you to heaven. Mother can't get you to heaven. Your best friend can't get you to heaven. But Jesus can get you to heaven. But you've got to forsake this world to follow him. It's either the world's way or it's God's way. But the world is so filled with false advertising today. I made it a point this week. I should have got several of you to help me, but it made the sermon too long. Here's some of the ads I saw this week. One store in town's offering 70% off of everything until you read the next line, except few of the things that are in the store. A health care center in the nation. Come to us. All this stuff, it's all these people, you know, got healed. But to read the bottom of the line. And you know what it says? But don't expect to get the same results. <laughs> well, pray tell me, why would I spend my money to go across America and get in your hospital when you just told me, but don't expect what you just saw on television to happen to you. We just put that on there so you'd come and spend your money. You know what I'm talking about? We all know about those two for 1995 and plus shipping and handling. We all know about that. And every few minutes, you'll see from all the automobile dealers for the special they've got on, come and save $10,000 off of a price that nobody ever paid for a new car. The manufactured suggested retail price. But it sure looks good. You didn't save $10,000. You just spent thirty. dollars but we get caught up and think the Bible's like that. I saw one finance company this week. Stock market going up again. Don't you want to be your money secure? Invest with us. Look at the bottom line. It says, however, you may lose your money. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd want to move my whatever I got. A 201, not one to be a 201 and one half. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Jesus. When he says eternal, he means eternal. When he says everyone, he means everyone. When he says all sin, he means all sin. There's no byline. There's no footnotes. Jesus says, take it to the bank. If I tell you, that settles it. 
Now you come and receive it. Poor and needy, halt and maim, deaf and the blind, rich and the poor, black, white, yellow, red. It doesn't make any difference. Young or the old, you know you're a sinner. You need a savior. I'm the way. Come unto me and I will not cast you out. And there's no footnotes. It's just amen, amen, and amen. That's what the truth is. There is a name given among men, the Bible says, whereby we must be saved. But globalization has brought us together. And rather than us increase our burden for lost people, we've come and identified with them in many situations. Jesus in the scripture has always claimed that the world is lost, but that Jesus is the way to heaven. There's 7 billion people on the earth today. 7 billion. You say, Pastor, are you saying that can only those that hear and believe in Jesus be saved? It doesn't matter what I say. That's what the Bible says. Well, I don't understand that. I don't either. Just be thankful that I'm not God. And I'm sure glad you're not. Because I think I'd say God except for that one and that one and that one and that one that married into our family and this one that I work with. Other than those, I just love the whole world. <laughs> Jesus says I love them too. So I want to close with giving us a warning about that. <clears throat> As Brother Wade leads us in our mission ministries, and I want to say again, this is our big time, folks. Think about going on a mission trip next year. Think about praying every day for those. Watch everything that comes down the pike from the mission office and give, 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 give the biggest gift you give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, to the foreign mission offering. Let's tell the world about Jesus. But here is our word in Ezekiel chapter 3, 3,000 years ago. You say, well, 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 what does the Old Testament say? Listen, listen. Third chapter of Ezekiel, 18th and 19th verse. God speaks to Ezekiel. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, listen to this, but his blood I will require of your hand. Yet, if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked ways. He shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Listen, church. God says, church, you tell them and leave the result to me. You love them and leave the result to me. You don't compromise, though, and make them think there's many ways when I have emphatically told you I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And with grace and mercy and love, forgive them. And the Bible says, as he is, so we're to be in this world. So you know what? When you lead somebody to Jesus, you can look them in the face. I don't care how big an enemy they've been. I don't care what they've done to you. You can look them in the face and say, Jesus loves you. And I do too. Because <laughs> I got to. I'm sorry. I know I'm not God. But God loves you 
and give me a little more time and I'll love you even more. But I am now repenting and I want you to know, welcome, you're welcome to the family of God. Say it with me. I'll say it, you repeat it. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. And now say this, and whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely, freely. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? You thirsty today? Would you like to have eternal life? Would you like to have some sins forgiven and remembered no more? Would you like for your children to have a new daddy, a new mama? A mom and dad that love each other because they love Jesus. And those kids will know that mom and dad are never going to separate until God separates them by death. And I'm going to be able to be raised with a mom and dad that'll love me and take me to church and raise me in the way that God wants me to go. For many, that's too late. But the Lord said, I'll be a father to the fatherless. He says to the widow, of that child or that, that mom, the dad walked out on them. Mom, I'll walk with you. I'll step in the gap, but bring your child to Jesus. I want you to think right today, what could you do to bring somebody to Christ over the holidays? Have you already targeted some? Have you thought about people to bring on Christmas Eve to our celebration of the birth? Have you thought about someone to kind of Giving a special gift to them that might give them a, a word, a look, and a touch. Have you thought about writing them a personal note, maybe an apologize and telling them, say, you know, we've talked about our past, but I never talked to you about the greatest gift I ever had, and that was when God gave me eternal life through his son. And if he hasn't done that for you, he wants to, and I sure would like to tell you more. Open the door. Open the door in love. See what God does. There's no other name but Jesus. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and we sing in just a moment, just for a few seconds. It's going to be an opportunity for you to move during that time if you, number one, if you would pray with me in just a moment, if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I want you to pray with me and then I want you to go to a place we call the Connection Center, which is that huge lobby under the terrace, right in the center of the building here. When you go out this door to my right, out into the foyer, turn to immediate left, or go out this door and turn to immediate right, and just tell those folks there, I've invited Jesus into my heart. They have some things to give you, to pray with you, answer any question you have, never to pressure you, but to help you. And if you need to join our church today, we try to be honest. We tell you don't join this church you know what you're getting into. But the focus of this church and the priority of this church is not to build fellowship with each other, although we got the greatest in the world, I believe. If one of us hurt, we all hurt. If one rejoices, we all rejoice. But that's not our priority. We've learned we can do more together than we can do individually to tell the world about their gift that the Father wants to send to them. And so if you'd like to join Sage Mott, We'll answer any questions you have. 
but I'd like for you to go to the Connect Connection Center and then come across the street and have lunch with us. But while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you never asked Jesus for that gift, I want you to pray this prayer with me. <clears throat> Dear God, I want to confess from the depths of my being that I have made some tra a tragic mistake by not doing sooner what I want to do right now. I know I'm a sinner. I know I follow everything. I'm a slave to a fad. I easily follow crowds and they've led me to nowhere. But disappointment, frustration, sin, disappointment, heartaches. But today, I'm coming to you unconditionally. I'm ready to start over again if you'll take me, and I know you will because you said you would. So forgive me my sin. I'm turning away from the world and to you, and I'll follow you all the days of my life. So please, dear God, save me right now. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.